Welcome to Revival from the Bible, a daily devotional podcast designed to help more people get into God's Word and get more out of the Word. I'm Ben Blakey. It's Monday, January 31st, 2022. At some point or another, all of us have likely used a template of some kind. Now, you could use templates for all kinds of things, but maybe you think about the templates your computer might give you. Let's say you need to write some kind of more official document. You need to write a a business letter or you need to come up with a resume and your computer gives you different options and to do all that formatting for you. And then you just need to plug in the information. Now, with that, you don't want to just ignore the template because the template is is helping you out. It's showing you this is what this letter or this resume should look like. However, on the other hand, you don't just pull up the template and click print and act like you're done. In fact, one time I received a resume from somebody looking for a job and they had clearly used a template and at the top of the resume, it had in brackets your and then in brackets name. They had forgotten to fill in their name in the template. Those are things that you don't want to do. Well, today we are going to see a different kind of template that all of us have been given. And this is more important than any template you have used really in your life. And this is a template given by Jesus Christ for prayer. Now, why am I using this illustration of a template? Well, we're coming to something that I think all of us know. Most of you could probably recite it if you needed to. We're at the passage of the Lord's Prayer today in Matthew chapter 6, verses 1 through 18. And like I said, most people are familiar with the Lord's Prayer. Many of you could recite the Lord's Prayer from memory. I think, though, a helpful way for us to think about it is that it's a template. And even, let's look at this passage. Jesus is really talking a lot about what it really means, again, to be righteous, what it really means to be, I guess you could say, a pious person in a good in a good way. What does it look like to live out your faith? And he has, is really contrasting with the Pharisees that they're really hypocritical. They're not really righteous. They're they're evil guys that put on this religious facade, and that's not what I want my people to be. And today he really gets into some other practices of the Pharisees of doing things for men, you know, showing off. And he, you know, talks about prayer. You know, some people want to stand up in public and give these really fancy prayers with all these big theological terms. And he's saying, no, Go pray in secret. Don't make a show of prayer, but pray to your father. That's what it is about. And then he says in verse seven, and when you pray, do not heap up empty phrases as the Gentiles do, for they think that they will be heard for their many words. And I find that so incredibly ironic, not that Jesus is saying something ironic, but it's ironic in how now things have developed through two centuries. It is so unfortunate that for many people, the Lord's Prayer is actually something that now just gets said in heaping up empty phrases. People think just by repeating those magic words or even by repeating them several times that they must be doing something good. And I'm trying to say that's kind of like opening up the template and hitting print 
without putting any of the information in. Right? Jesus has given us a template for prayer. And I don't think it's wrong for us ever to recite this or to repeat this. But the idea is that Jesus is showing us this is how you pray. Now, you're going to have to plug in some of your own information along the way. But here is a template. Here is something for you to follow when you pray. And so let's look at, again, this might be very familiar to you, but let's look through this phrase by phrase, line by line here in Matthew chapter six, starting in verse nine, it says, pray then like this, our father in heaven, hallowed be your name, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day, our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. So as you look at that, again, those very familiar words, it really starts by addressing who you are praying to. And you start by saying, our Father in heaven. That all by itself is a mind-blowing phrase that would be good for us to think about when we pray. Our Father in heaven. Because on the one hand, you have the term Father, which is really a term of intimacy, a term of of knowledge. I, I know this person, our Father. But then it gets to in heaven. In heaven. Heaven is something distant. Heaven is something beyond. Yet we are able to say, our Father in heaven. We should start by just being amazed at that, that we, lowly us, can bring requests to the throne room of heaven and address the one who sits on the throne as father. And it's only something we know that we can do because of what Jesus Christ has done for us. And so as we think through that, then we get into kind of the body of the prayer. And this prayer has six imperative words. So really that's saying there are six requests And if you break it down, three of them, three of those requests even are focused on God and his kingdom, his will, his name, right? They're they're really focused on God. Three of the requests are focused on us. And even there, I should notice it's on us, plural. And even notice as you read this, all of the, the words that are first person are plural. So clearly Jesus is teaching us not just to pray for ourselves, but even that our prayers should be uh, including other people in them, not necessarily excluding ourselves, but not only about ourselves. And so first you look at those three requests that are concerning God. Hallowed be your name, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And so as you think through those things, are those things that are featured in your prayers? Are you praying that the name of God would be honored? That's the first request there. Hallowed be your name. And maybe the only other place you think of the word hallowed is, you know, when you had to memorize the Gettysburg Address in school, you know, these hallowed grounds. What does it mean? It's, It's special. It's sacred. It's famous, so to speak. God, let your name be honored. Let your name be remembered. Let your name be lifted up. And that's where, again, plug in the information of your life. 
What have you got going on today? What has your church got going on? What has your family got going on? Pray that God's name would be honored in whatever it is that's going on. Pray that God's name would be lifted up. We also pray for God's kingdom to come. I mean, in in the most full sense, we're really praying for the return of Christ in this. And we have to realize to some extent with the kingdom of God, we're living in an already but not yet kind of situation where the kingdom of God is here through those that are saved, uh, yet the kingdom of God is coming as we await await the return of the king. So I think as we pray your kingdom come, we are praying for the return of Christ, but we are also praying for the advance of the kingdom right here, right now, which in its most practical sense would be people getting saved. Are you praying regularly for people to get saved? And that's where, again, you might be plugging in some specific things, some specific people. You might be plugging in some specific ministry or event that your church has going on and praying that God uses that to lead people to salvation. And then the third request in the the part about God is your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. I mean, in a lot of ways, that seems like a prayer for sanctification, that things would be happening according to God's will. And you should be praying that for yourself. You should be praying that for your church. You should be praying that for your community, your nation, right? Plugging in your own information. And then we get to the requests about what our needs. And what I want you to notice out of these three requests, only one of them is focused on our physical needs. And that is give us this day our daily bread. And even what it's asking for in um, that request is really for the basics. This isn't give us the better car, give us the bigger house, give us the, the more fancy vacations. No, it's give us this day our daily bread. And in our society, a society that is a society mostly of plenty, that's something that's not even been on our radar because we've already got our daily bread sitting in the fridge or the pantry for today. When That's something we should actually be relying on God for every day. And then we get into the last two requests, more spiritual requests, and forgive us our debts as we have forgiven our debtors. So praying for forgiveness, is that a regular part of your prayer life? And then finally, and lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. And that's where, again, you might know what are some of the specific temptations you are going to face today. What are some of the temptations among your friends or your family that you know will be faced? Pray for those things. So again, this is a template. I don't think we would do well to ignore it. If you're never actually even thinking through the Lord's prayer as you pray, I think you're missing an opportunity of something that God has really given you, a template he has blessed you with. On the other hand, if we're just repeating it and reciting it, that's not it either. Plug in your own information and use the Lord's prayer as a template, as something to guide you in your own prayer life and even walk through those six requests today, plugging in your own information. And we want to be people that are truly pious, people that are truly seeking the Lord, not like the Pharisees just doing all these things for a show, but people that are genuinely following Jesus's example and genuinely following this template that Jesus has given us for prayer. 
Now let's briefly cover just a few things from our Old Testament reading today, Genesis 36 through 38. Chapter 36 is about Esau's descendants and it's got one of your favorite things, a genealogy. But take from this chapter, just Esau does not get the blessing. He's the firstborn, but clearly here, he's the one that's moving away, moving out of the promised land. The the prophecies of God and even the blessing that Isaac gave, it's happening just like God said it would. Chapter 37 begins the saga of Joseph, and we'll see so much more about that. But one thing that stood out to me is, wow, this family is actually kind of dysfunctional. I mean, the father is not learning from the mistakes of his parents by showing favoritism towards one of the sons. Joseph, um, you can't really defend everything he does. In some ways, he does come across like a punk younger brother. And as a punk younger brother, it it takes one to know one uh, sometimes. But then you see his brothers and, and just the clearly sinful, even murderous desires that they have. And even before you're like, well, Reuben sticks up for him. Yeah, but we just read about Reuben doing something really bad in a previous chapter that actually is going to kind of cost him as it comes to the end of Genesis. Since he's the firstborn, he's not going to be really the, the main guy in the line going forward. And so it's very possible that even his you know good motive to rescue Joseph was actually just something to get favor back with his dad. Uh, But we'll see, again, God is going to do something amazing through this dysfunction in in chapter 37. And if you you think that's dysfunctional, wait till you get to chapter 38. 38, you're going to read chapter 38 and be like, this is in the Bible? I mean, if I was watching a TV show and this was one of the episodes, I would think about stopping watching that TV show, right? It's it's a very, in some ways, twisted chapter. But one thing you're going to need to notice is as you read about Tamar, You have already read that name in our Bible reading program this year. You read it in Matthew chapter 1 in the genealogy of Jesus Christ. She's one of the four women that is mentioned in the genealogy of Jesus Christ. And so even out of chapters 37 and 38, you see a lot of dysfunction. Just know that God is actually working it all together into something beautiful. And that should never be a cause for us to excuse dysfunction or to excuse sin on our own part. But we can know when we see chaos in the world, God can work it all out according to his master plan. And even chapter 38, that's one of the reasons I think when you're asking, why is this in the Bible? Well, it's telling us really about the line of the Messiah. It is through Judah and Tamar and their one of their sons that the line of the Messiah proceeds. And that is something we can praise God for. But today, don't forget that template. Don't throw it aside, but don't just repeat it. Plug in your own information to the template of prayer that Jesus has given to us. Thanks for digging into God's Word with me today on Revival from the Bible. For more resources, check out revivalfromthebible.com. To learn more about Compass Bible Church Treasure Valley, go to compassbible.tv. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you.